So again, we thank you, all the veterans, um, and we just, we release healing over you as well. Um, any of that still suffer from anything, that your service to your country, which you sacrifice, we release healing. The service today, I think, was, there was a lot of things being released, but I speak over the veterans in this house, that if there was something that you needed as far as healing over your, your mind or anything, I would release that, so... I only get to speak about once a year, so you're stuck with me for a while. Like, why is it that, like, if you're at a sporting event and it goes, like, into extra innings for baseball or overtime for basketball or football, it's exciting, but in church, it's like, you get restless and you want to walk out of here. <laughs> We're upside down. Like, we are really upside down that it's like, we want to rush things and we want to hurry up and we got so many things, and I get it. I, I have a belly as well. And I have plans of leaves and different things today. But in the kingdom, we, sh we should be the opposite. We should be, hey, God, whatever you have to do, we're here. We're here. We're, we're your captive audience today. So I will get through it, though. Um, and it's this during worship, I think, really plays into um, what, what the people had said before me ties into the message because... This past week, it was really a, a gut blow to Christians, this, the elections, right? Yeah. Issue one, issue two. And if it wasn't a gut blow to you, then you need to check yourself. But as I was praying and meditating and reading the word this past week, God's like, do you really need government to save these people? Do we need a law that will change the hearts of the people? Even though I went and voted, I voted no for, for both. Um, and it was, and, and my wife is, she was very angry. And so I knew I was prepping for, men, for a, a message and I was like, God, you know, what do we do? What do, I, what do I, cause I had a whole different path of a warrior's mentality of like serving your country. And I signed up when I was in the, I think just beginning of my 12th grade year, I, I knew I wanted to go into the service and uh, probably for the wrong reasons. Mostly, though, my father and my grandfather served, so I thought there was a, a duty to a country for me. Um, but then I wanted to go tear things up. I really did. And God knew that, too, and he protected me. I didn't have to. I didn't have to face battle. I was kind of in between conflicts, in between wars. So uh, he knew that he needed a, a warrior mentality for me for something else. And so I wasn't at peace with that for a long time, but I am now because they're souls, and we need to war for them. But uh, anyway, the, the message that I, I, I have is, you know, still coming from a veteran's perspective. I, I serve in the community at the fire department, have for going on 25 years. Isn't that crazy? I would like to say they go by fast from a 50,000 foot view, but when you're down in the, in the trenches, it goes slow. Um, but as a veteran, it was always amazing to me, the people that I served beside, and also I know a lot of the veterans in here, uh, Richard, Nick, we, we do a lot of things together. Um, but there are three things that I thought when I thought about why we did what we did we, there was the three W's in my mind. What, who, and being willing. So what are, we, what are we serving for? Who are we serving for? And are we willing to serve? And so 
the what behind our country was pretty, pretty easy. We have the most freest country in, on this planet Earth. We have more freedoms than anybody else. And anybody that's, that's served your country, um, you would see that in the places that you served. I was, um, and I, I love to see Mar Marilla here, and she's from Cuba. And I got the, the honor to go serve in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Uh, they got us out of Haiti. They sent us there. They didn't want another Somalia, so they got us out of there. And then quickly, we transitioned to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And I got to build refugee camps for refugee Cubans and refugee Haitians. And I saw what these people, like we saw the, there was an area of the base in Cuba that had all the like makeshift rafts and inner tubes and just crazy things that we would drive by. And I'm like, those people risk it all. Um, and her father was in prison the first time they tried to get to America. And knowing that they were trying to get here just to have the opportunity that you were born with. It's, it was amazing to me, the, the, the individuals that I saw there, that I got to work with, that I got to be around. Um, there were people who were amazing artists. There were people who were, um, had professional lives, that they were just wanting to get to America to have the freedoms that you and I have. Uh, the biggest one being here, that we're able to be here today and worship. So that was the what in the military. It's like we have the most free country ever. And we have to serve to protect that. We are willing to give up our lives to protect that for, for people who might spit on us. So, and the who is you? The who is you? Like when I was serving, like there were, we were serving on behalf of you. These veterans are serving on behalf of you, willing to give up their life for you. That's the third W is they're willing, the willingness to serve, the willingness to run into whatever. Um, I, I have the honor and privilege to sit currently on a congressional uh, board to select service members to the service academies. And through those interviews, young individuals, but I'll tell you what, they're squared away. A lot of these individuals have uh, prepped for a long, long time to, do, to go into the service academies. It's a big deal. And so one of the questions that frequently comes up is, if you were to, and these are gonna be leaders, so there'll be officers leading enlisted and, and leaders in the armed forces. If you had to be assigned a mission that you knew you weren't gonna come back to, how would you react to that? With going back to your people you're leading, what would you say? And so it gives us an opportunity to see a lot of character traits of these individuals, what they would say, how they would say it. Um, but the truth is that's a reality of, of the men and women that are serving our country. They're sometimes sent on missions they know they will not return from. And so I want to give you the perspective here, the Christian worldview of why and who and what you're doing. And are you willing? Because if you're here today, God has called you. And so let's, let's go through and go through some things about our what's, our who's, and our willingness. Are we willing? Um, it may sound easy, but I'm going to ask you to do something today that's going to be very hard for you, I bet. It was hard for me. We'll get there. So, um, our what is, is God. Like, the first scripture that I'm going to get to is in Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32, and it shall, or you should know a lot of these, this, this passage. But when I was reviewing this, there were seven specific things that God said he was going to do in Joel verse, uh, chapter 2. 
So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to me to Joel chapter 2. By the way, Joel's name means Yahweh is God. And when Joel was prophesying, I always like to get into the word, and I'm going to give a little plug for Oasis Bible Study Wednesday nights at 6.30, right? We get into the context of scripture that you might just hear just plucked out. Like, there's a lot of scripture when people get up here to minister, and it's like, you hear it over and over and over again, but we don't always hear the context of where we're hearing scripture from. And, and I, I'm assuming and I'm hoping that every minister that gets up on this platform is hoping that you would go home and try to figure some of that out. Do you? All right, I see some heads nodding. So this, this is saying, God is saying that he is Yahweh, he is God, he is in control. I think I heard somebody up here say, God has already won. This is God is, we're fighting for a God who's already won the battle. The war is won. We're going to be battling, and there's going to be many, many battles. But God has won the war. So, and I, I believe that every veteran here, when I was in, I didn't feel like I was serving in a branch of the military and or of military service where, we are, where we're going to lose. I don't think people would sign up for that. Maybe they would, maybe, I, I would say maybe they would, but it, give, it gave me peace to know that we, I served in the, in the military of the finest military in the, in the whole wide world, and that it was the most powerful, it was the, it was the largest, there was the most money stunk into the United States military, and it gave me pleasure to know that I was a part of that, and I didn't have fear that we were going to lose. You should take joy in that, that God, at the, the end of the book, is already written. Yeah. He wins. Yeah. There, Cliff, Cliff notes, I just ruined the whole message for it. <laughs> so, let's move. So, I want to say, in Joel, the second chapter, 28, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So I pour out my spirit. He's going to pour out his spirit. Today, the, pour, the spirit was poured out. Your sons and daughters shall what? Your old men shall dream what? Corey, I think you're old, brother. Because he didn't get up here and say, I'm, I had a vision. He said, I had a dream. Am I right? Or did you say a vision? All right, all right. My men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there what? Shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant who calls Lord, who the Lord calls. So, as I was looking through this, because there are more shalls than seven, I came up with seven things that he promises here. Even though there's, there's, I think there's nine shalls in this passage, there's only seven, if you break it down, there's only seven things that he says is going to happen. So if you're, if you're familiar and you went to Oasis Bible Study, or if you're going to go to Oasis Bible Study, you will realize that there are significant numbers. So the number seven is especially prominent in a Bible appearing over 700 times. It is the number that says it's completion. Last night, I was honored to be a part of the prayer group, even though it's not my um, 
gifting, I, I would say. I mean, we, we all should be called to prayer. But we have a prayer team here, and my wife is on that, and I was, we were honored to go to Bruce and Catherine Toll's house last night and be a part of an amazing leadership that is leading our prayer team. And they were going over vision, but we broke bread and ate good meat. Thank you. Uh, and before, when we got in there, they gave us these numbers and said, hey, pray while you're sitting here and get a word and write it down for people. So it's just awesome to know. And I say that because my father had eight, and he gave that to me. That was the word that he got from me. And he said it was after completion. It's after a perfect, perfect number, and it's eight. It's a new beginning. So seven, it, it represents completion and perfection and the fulfillment of promises. So we serve a God that he's not going to not fulfill his promises. He's just not. And so when we hear those, here's what's going to happen, do you not get excited about that? Because there are, uh, I won't even put down churches, but there are other churches that, that are a lot more low-key than ours. But I don't, I want to be in an atmosphere of excitement. Like when I went into the military, like I won't pick on the chair force, I mean air force. I didn't want to sit in a chair. And, and my, my, my nephew, Nick, he was in the air force and basically did the equivalent of what I did. We, he was in the construction force of the Air Force. And so I'm only, only joking, but I didn't join to just like, I'm like, I want to be in the action. Yeah. I want to do something for my country. And, and it's fine if you didn't. I think that anybody that would enlist and or Mike officer who got to boss people like me around, uh, <laughs> you're willing you didn't sign up to, you know, to be hidden somewhere and not be involved in something that makes a difference. And in the military, every job matters and everybody's making a difference. But in God's realm, don't you want to be that individual, that group, and be with a group of people who are freaking crazy for God? Because he says he's going to do these things, we are to believe that he's going to do these things. But today, we are the hands and the feet. Our military, when you say military, it's this broad term, and it's like, I don't know what you think when you hear military. Those who are in it think about themselves and what they're doing in it. But on a broad term now, I think of a military, it's, it's got some, there's some soft power involved in there, there's some hard power. The hard power is when they go do things and they actually are doing what they're doing. But thank God we've never had to use our submarines in a manner which they're intended to be used. That's the soft power. It's these things cruising around, nobody knows where they're at, and they, are, they could end world as, our lives as we know it, the entire planet, with our fleet of submarines. And that's a strong tool to have in your toolbox just to keep people from doing stupid things, right? So I'm more along the lines of, like, I believe it, but I want to be involved in it. I don't know about you. Like, it's, like I, was, I scored high enough to be in the submarine fleet, and I'm like, no, 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 no. First off, I just can't be underground that long, and they, they go out for three months, sometimes three months at a time, and they don't see the light of day. But I'm like, no, I have to see sunlight, 
and I don't want to really, I, was, I joined the Navy, but didn't want to be on the water, so figure that out. So, so you have to understand the what is God says he's going to do these things, but then he needs you and I to be involved in order for these to come true. Because if you look at those promises, he, it says his sons, his daughters, his maidservants, his people. You are his people. And you have to be willing to say that, Lord, then okay, then here I am. Then choose me. I will go do this. I won't just come in and sit and occupy a seat. I'm actually, it was awesome. I was back there when Nicole couldn't find me. I was looking at everybody that serves in some capacity here, and it blew me away. I don't know about Aaron. I don't know if you turned around. But we used to not be where we're at today, and thank you for serving. Um, thank you if you have kids that you want to serve in the kids' ministry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I want to go to another scripture here. There are some things that will prevent you from being what I'm talking about here today. There are going to be some things that that you will not be able to be part of what God says he's going to do because of these next set of verses. Aaron likes to sometimes, if you ever meet with Aaron, he calls it an Oreo sandwich of, of love, where there's this like, like Aaron must be the guy that likes the middle. But there's the, the cookie, and Aaron starts off with something that's not so positive when he meets with you. I've been in, in lots of these meetings with Aaron. My wife started to figure it out at some point. She's like, I know what he's up to. He's about to give us an Oreo. And he's, it starts off a little bit like, you know, you're, I've done something wrong. And I do that time, time here. Because I just, I hate to waste time. And I get right to the points. And sometimes people aren't ready for that. And so Aaron tries to distance me from being able to do that anymore. Bible study, he says, you can't really offend a whole lot of people. You got to be true and factual and, and to the biblical. So, to the Bible. Um, but, and then he gets to the cream. And then he tells you how wonderful you are. So, the beginning is like, hey, you've done something wrong here. You, like, you can't act like this. You can't say this because these are people. And people are different than you. But then he gets to the cream part of this this meaning with you and he says oh I love you so much you got so much to offer you're so wonderful um, man you know you got so much to offer this church and then he gets to the end of the cookie and that's the action part like now I'm going to need you to not do what you've been doing <laughs> and I walk away and I'm like he packaged it pretty good but so this I would say is, is the, the chocolate cookie for you because I want you to turn to your Bible to Ezekiel. We'll get moving here. I don't want to belabor because I do want a time at the end here for you to really identify what's in your heart and what is this part of the scriptures where you are and what that relationship is to you and maybe it's preventing you from being the fullest that, you, that God has intended for you to be. So in, in Ezekiel here, his name means God's strength and his message is addressed to a demoralized remnant of Judah that was exiled in Babylon. And so, if you can imagine, like you are known that you, if you're an Israelite, you are God's promised people, and now they've been exiled, and now you have Ezekiel, who is a prophet. He's the one who hears from God. And so, the 14th chapter, if you turn to Ezekiel, oh, and by the way, let me, while you're turning to Ezekiel uh, 14, I want to say that when 
when Joel prophesied, like this is what God's going to do, you have to understand when he did that, there was just a recent enormous plague of locusts that ruined everything in, in Israel in like two hours' time. I can't even imagine. Sometimes you get here right in the, about this time of year, you see these flocks of birds behind the church. I mean, there are thousands of them. Like, hurry up, get your car sometimes because you will get nailed. So, so all these crops and everything were destroyed. And not only the crops were destroyed, but the seeds for the next year's crop was destroyed in two hours' time. And so he prophesied that these, this is what's going to happen. Now in Ezekiel, they were in captivity, and Ezekiel's basically starting to call out their junk. You want to know why we're here? You want to know how we'll get out of here? And so in the fourth verse, he says, therefore speak to him. This is God saying to Ezekiel, he said, thus saith the Lord, everyone of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I the Lord will answer who comes according to the multitude of his idols. This was for me this week and you have your own. But when I started to see what happened in this election and see the prayer and the outpouring of what we were all trying to do uh, we passed out signs for, for a, a, at least a month on the issue two, which should be near and dear to your heart. And somebody actually told me this past week because in my job, it's just, I do dive into politics. I, I, I'm, I'm here, there. And so somebody says, you know the p- problem, and again, I am not telling you to be Republican or Democrat. I'm telling you to be a Christian. Amen. Be Christ-like. So don't get mad and he said this or that. Don't take it out of context. That's happened to me way too much lately. So what I'm saying is somebody said, you know, the problem with the Republican Party is they're too, too hard-lined. They need to become more from a, like a libertarian stance of where abortion maybe could be just said that, hey, I don't agree with it, but if you decide to do it, then, then that's between you and God. And so I pointed out to this individual that that, that is so not biblical. And that's where the veteran in me rose up because if you haven't figured out, 9-11 happened, but it was a one-incident deal. We have had the privilege of this country for since the Revolutionary War to not be at war in our own country. So everything, for the most part, that we're doing external to the United States and our geopolitical stances are to help other people. Amen. Do you realize that? There's always a benefit to us, and don't get me wrong, these politicians in Washington, D.C., they know the benefits, but I'm saying you as a service member, when I was serving in, in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and when I went to Haiti, I saw why we were there, and I, I could feel it, that we were there because some of these people could not help themselves. If you don't think that a little baby deserves us to be their voice, then you need to check yourself. And so that's where I'm like, you can call me whatever you want from a political spectrum. I will vote on the issues that I vote because of what the Bible says. So that's my political spiel. I'm, I'm done. So Israel, by their, uh, what causes him to stumble, I, the Lord, will answer who comes according to the multitude of his idols that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart. I'll just stop there. I was going to read on, but this past week, God showed me, he's like, pull out that little thing in your, in your pocket, 
And there's a couple tools in there that, call, that talk about screen time. You know what I'm talking about? Then I got on Instagram and I found out there was a thing on there that could tell me how much time I was spending on there. But it's all just like, I do it for family and I do it for this. And it's like, that's how me and Aaron and Scott Thompson send funny videos to one another. And it's like, God said you are spending more time on that and wasting your time. I actually, a long time ago, put it in a folder called Time Waster. But yet that Time Waster this past couple weeks have been really creeping up there. So I challenge you that what, that was such an idol for me. And I've got my wife spotting me now to say, hey, if there is something important for the next, there's 42 days between now and Christmas. 42 days. I would challenge you to say, what is the idol that you are putting before God? Where are you spending more time? And so it got me back to my basics. I need to get to work a half hour, at least a half hour early, pass my workout, and get in there, read my Bible, and meditate on the Lord. It's amazing to me when you cut out the nonsense how powerful you become in the kingdom of God. So my wife and I, we just celebrated our 28th year of marriage. And so we got married. This is our favorite time of the year. I was on the fence for several years. Is it fall or is it spring? And, and I don't know about you, but it feels like I've cut out some, some stupid stuff. And so I've really been intentional the last two to three weeks of enjoying what I'm... God has blessed us with some amazing weather the last couple weeks, too. I have this little fireplace in my backyard. We got some property in southern Ohio. And God showed me when I was in my property in southern Ohio, he showed me that... He says, look at this. Smell this and taste this. Because everything there pointed to God. Everything. Like, I couldn't escape God. I'm looking at this beautiful landscape, and it's off the grid, too. That's amazing. Like, I capture rainwater. I've got things figured out. And um, so my wife can have the luxuries of a flushing toilet without electricity. It's amazing. So, but God said, this is what you were created for. You were created to smell God outside to see God outside and to hear God outside you know sometimes when we're there you can't hear anything other than the birds the creek and just the wind I'm telling you these things are going to destroy you now they have phones like the Google phone if you don't like the picture you take, just change it. If you didn't jump high enough, like me, just make yourself look higher. Just bring it up. If you don't like the face of your son, change it. <laughs> if you don't like how your dog is not whatever, change it. If you haven't figured out yet that everything outside of what God has intended for you that the devil's trying to distort and change and distract you and to divide you, church, I'm making a plea today, try 42 days. 
We're entering into what is Thanksgiving. It's November, and it's into to Jesus' birth. I challenge you to set aside some of the things that I hope here in a minute when our prayer team prays and prays over you, if you're willing to stand up and come to them, to challenge you to say, what is the idol that you have put before God? My son's into baseball. And so this past year was very challenging for us because he's getting to the level where they wanted him everywhere and we're going all over God's green earth. And so me and my wife at the beginning of the season, we saw the schedule and we're like, listen, this has to be our church. If we can't be in church physically, then out there is the church and we have to represent Christ. And it looked so weird, but it was so effective because I prayed and I'm like, God, you know, just... If this is truly our church, then you have to help me because I need help. I want to be able to be your hands and feet. And I had the amazing opportunity, I think it was in Kent State, sitting around like, a, like all the other baseball parents, which if you're into any sports, isn't that fun? <laughs> the parents. It's so exciting because it's like, as soon as you walk away, you know they're all talking about you. Because when they're not there, you're talking about them. <laughs> and every one of their kids are fair game. Like, but not why they're present. Like, can you believe, like, they're still playing him? Like, and then all of a sudden they walk in, like, hey, you know, your son, like, he really, that was a really good play he made. <laughs> and so this is what happens when there's not a game. And I'm like, God, this is, has to be my church. These are my church people. And so... I say that to say that there was an opportunity that I was able to share a testimony with a, with, a, with a father who was struggling because his son was injured and couldn't play a whole lot. And he was super down. Like, and it was almost to a point where it was a pretty significant injury that they thought was maybe uh, he was born with. And the outlook maybe not so good. And, and when you're to like, our level and where we're at, it's like everybody has dreams now to the next level. And he had those for his son. And so I just shared with him. I said, you know what? I said, man, I, I, I want to share my testimony with you. And so I shared it with him, and he immediately just starts crying. And there are people around. And he's like, he's like, what? It blew him away, just my testimony. He starts to break down, and I'm able to pray with him. And so... All of a sudden, there was another father that was, I could tell he was listening anyway. I could tell there was a lot of people listening. But at that moment, I had the courage to, to, to move forward with what I was dealing in my heart. And so, I don't know if it was we, we, the next day getting breakfast or whatever, but one of the other fathers came to me. He says, Matt, man, I listened to your, your sharing with the other father. And he said, it so moved me because here's my story. And he shared with me his story. And he just recently got baptized with his family. So I'm hoping that whatever I said there had an impact for him. But the one father, it was about a week later, he, he shot me a text and he says, you don't know where I was at. And what you said, like, changed the trajectory where I was headed. get a drink and I'm not going to be much longer I promise I won't do five but I might do two 
So, but there has to be an intentionality, and that's where I'm at with you today, wherever you're at. You have to be intentional, like, first off, what, what, is, what, is our, what does God have planned for you? I'll, I'll tell you what he has planned for you is you are the light to that person in your life that doesn't know Christ like you do. Or you may need salvation today, but at least you're here. And you are going, like sometimes I think we, we think too broad and it's like with going back to the election, it's like, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to belabor that and opine too much, but I will say that, like, it's the one beside you. It's the one here in a few weeks you'll be sitting at a table beside. That God is like, he's like, you're complicating this too much. Like, just, I've given you a testimony. And share it. And it, the effectiveness of that, God says, I shall do these things. I just need you to be present and intentional and remove these idols from your heart. How many times did the Israelites just get idols and idols and idols and idols? I don't understand it. Like, especially when Moses was around, I mean, the cloud up there, and it's like, you know, like they're building a golden calf. I mean, it's just absurd to me, but I wasn't there. But I want to say this, that you have to repent of those idols. I had to repent. I just couldn't get it off of my phone and, and transition things and delete them. I had to actually in my heart say, God, I am so sorry for putting this above you, putting this in front of you, not letting me meditate on you like that you have put in my heart when I should be doing my prayer, my reading my Bible, and my daily walk, that my daily walk has been interrupted with all this noise of everything, and thank you for the reset to say that everything should point to you, that we can still have joy and fullness of joy when it points to you. I'm telling you, these, these people have figured it out. There's algorithms of when they want you to get these little notifications, what the notifications sound like, what they feel like in your hands. The enemy is out there, and they are real, and they've figured us human beings out. And now there's AI, and I mean, it is, it is crazyville. And it's taking away your ability to really focus and get in tune with Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Amen. And then you're not present around other people. Well, but it was, was, it was my brother texting me. Like, it doesn't matter. So, 1 John, chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 5. This is the repentance. This is the message in which we've heard from him and declared to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You're lying to yourselves if you say today, I have no idols. We have them. And I'm not gonna point out what yours are. You have to. That's the awesome thing about Jesus. When you walk in with him, he will guide you so gentle, but yet so, so firm and loving at the same time. 
His correction is so amazing if you allow him to do it. I know my discipline for my own son sometimes does not look anywhere near Jesus. And after I do it, I feel bad, but during it, it just, it just happens. But I'm getting better. I'm trying. If you say that we have no sin, we only lie to ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So he goes from saying that you're calling yourself, you are a liar, to now that you're saying, well, no, 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 no. Like if you're so stubborn, now you make him a liar. And him on that cross, that it means nothing. And in verse 4, prior to this, prior to this Oreo sandwich that Aaron likes to give, he starts with, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Then he goes into, you're a liar, and if you keep lying, you're going to make him a liar. (laughs) I'm sure he ends it with, like, you're amazing. You're great. You're going to do great things in the kingdom. So I want to call up our prayer team. I want to give us an opportunity. I tried to be as quick as I could, but effective to having you understand that if you know what the what is, that God says he's going to do these things. He's going to pour out his spirit, and if it's not with you helping, he will find his person. He will find his remnant. But if we have this idolatrous heart, and we set these idols, and again, your idol could be food. I don't don't know what your idol is. But I challenge you over the next 42 days between now and Christmas to become intentional with Jesus. Because when you become intentional with Jesus, he'll become intentional in his work through you. He will work miracles that you would never think, dream, or imagine if you allow him the opportunity to become intentional with you so you can be intentional. 42 days to figure out, like, hey, a total reset. A total reset for the birth of Jesus that's coming here soon. That we get to celebrate this amazing thing that changed the trajectory of all of our lives. And I end this with this. Isaiah 61. Because this is the good news of salvation. I didn't have to do anything in that little hotel lobby other than tell the good news. That because of my testimony, it's not my testimony, it's Jesus Christ who gave it to me. He gave me the ability to turn something that was so negative into something that was so positive, and it's changed my life. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. When I was sharing that testimony, I could tell that guy's heart was broke. Beyond hearing that his heart was broke, I knew there was some other spirit attaching to that. There are those around you that there are, I got to sit through this class on suicide this past week. And I think it's like three or five veterans every day take their own lives. And, and that's just veterans, folks. I've experienced some things these last few weeks and other people in this church that we're close to where the enemy is attaching the spirit of suicide on people. That there's, you are, your only option is to do that. 
it's real. What this, like, when, when I entered into the military, I knew it was real. There was a real opportunity that I could end up losing my life for, for the cause. There are people out there dying, and we are to be the light. And it says in Isaiah, this is the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to pro- proclaim liberty to the captives and opening up the prison to those who are bound. You're going to encounter the next 42 days people who are bound, people who are imprisoned to their own thoughts, their minds, their their illness, their sickness, their, their life, their situations, their finances. This life is sometimes so difficult. But if we could just take the time out to hear and see and taste and smell that God is good and his promises are true. To comfort those who mourn, to console those in Mount Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Stand with me. First and foremost, if you are that individual who feels bound that says, there's no way God can work through me. I need him to work with me and to me right this minute. We're gonna give you an opportunity to come up here and, and have the opportunity to these amazing people who, do you know that last night they're, they were talking and speaking and getting excited for the opportunity to pray for people? There is no higher calling than that. I clean toilets here. It's not as deep as when these individuals are ready to transform your life. And, and, and actually, like, creating plans to do that. Action plan. Here's what we're going to do when they come to us. They love you that much. There's nothing to be shameful of. Because they want to help you access Jesus. And if you don't know who Jesus is and you haven't called him as your personal savior, today's the day of salvation. That's the highest calling. And we won't call you out and single you out, but in a minute, I'm going to ask that people come forward. And if that's you, you, you talk to one of these prayer warriors that are ready to flip the script of your life. So I, I want to speak to the other broader audience that I feel is here today that you've set these idols up in your heart. And, it, and, and I'm not saying you're bound for hell. I'm saying that others around you are and you're not helping them. There's a real hell. There's a, if you believe in a God that can do all these things and it says he shall do these, he also in the scripture says there is a burning lake of fire. And Lazarus, the rich man, said, I'm bound for there, but if you can stop my family, just tell them, go help them. So I'm just asking you to close your eyes. And if that's you, search your heart. Just take a minute. Just take a minute. You are the light for the others around you. This mission's clear. He wants to set the captives free. He can only use you to do that. God's, let me rephrase that. God can do what he wants to do. But it's clear over and over and over and over and over and over again in the Bible, you are his hands and feet. 
God can do miracles. He can, he can do what he wishes to do, but he does call us to do things as well. And one of the clearest things that he calls us to do is to become the light in the darkness that surrounds us. So search your heart just for a minute, just for a minute. Say, God, you know, I think it's very clear for some of you what your idols are. And if that's you and you want to get a little more help, you want somebody, it's clear that the, the elders and the saints are to lay hands on people. Come forward. We're going to offer you a moment here to come. Today's the day of salvation. I just feel that. And I also feel today's a day that there needs to be active repentance for what we've put in front of our God. We don't have to be captives in Babylon. We are the remnant. God says he's chosen a remnant. And if you're in this church today, I totally believe this is a church that was built on remnants. We were a church built for quilts. Ugly pieces of fabric that were cast away, that didn't feel like we fit in. Ugly pieces of something that when it was quilted by some individual named God, he made something beautiful. He made beauty for ashes. And if that's you, just feel free to come forward. Come forward. When I realized what I did this past week, I, I fell to my knees and said, God, I'm so sorry. There's a song, it's the heart of worship. It's like, Lord, I'm sorry for making it what I've made it. And I turn my heart back to you. I turn my heart back to you. I'm sorry for the things that I've made it. I need my heart to be with you, the heart of worship. So just bow your heads, please. And internally, just tell him you're sorry. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he chose to use you for, to be that light amongst the darkness in your workplace, about to be in a restaurant that you're going to go visit, the gas station that you might stop by. So, Lord, we just come today together, Lord. We just come together. And, Lord, we're sorry for what we've made it. Lord, Tip City Upper Room Worship Center, we want to be the most effective tool in our community that can, we can possibly be. Lord, we want to change the outcomes, not elections. We want to change people's hearts. Lord, that we want to change people's hearts to where if they were to get pregnant in an unwanted pregnancy, that they don't need a law. They would need to encounter one of us, just a one encounter, Lord, that would change their heart and the trajectory of their life and that baby's life for eternity. Lord, we just come before you and we just, we just repent as a body. As a body, we repent. And we know we got 42 days, Lord, to, to make a change in our life, a habit, a hurt, a hang-up. But, Lord, we just say that we are of your army and that your mission is to do these amazing things and pour out your spirit on all flesh. And, Lord, we just we thank you. We thank you for the servant's heart in this congregation. We thank you for the people who are willing to serve, not just inside these walls, but outside of these walls. And Lord, during these next 42 days, we want to be a radical special forces that goes out into our community and into our families. We can't forget our families, Lord, that we are going to war on behalf of our unsaved family members. 
Lord, that every day we dedicate five minutes, five minutes on our knees every morning, Lord, that we would give to Instagram, email, some news. Lord, we say we turn off the news. There is no more news that we need to hear in the next 42 days. Lord, if my car starts in the morning, that's what I need it to do. If the gas station has gas, then Lord, we're good to go. But I say over the next 42 days, we war on behalf of those souls that if we don't, if we don't do something, they're going to be lost for eternity. We war, Lord. This church today, we take an oath that for the next 42 days, we're going to get on our knees at some point in the day for five minutes on somebody that you've laid on our heart. In Jesus' name. I, I just, before you leave, today, get one person on your heart. One person. It can be your loved one. It could be your son, your daughter, your coworker, or somebody. Our president. And you commit five minutes over the next 42 days. I promise you, great things will happen. He says it will. I love you guys. I love this church.